Welcome back to the original Judo Pods, and uh, this episode finds us, I guess, on like the eve of the the new IGF calendar. We're we're maybe a month out from the Paralympics, couple of months from the Olympics in Tokyo, and I wanted to record something that closed off that last Olympic cycle, uh, the last four years of podcasting, um, and then spend just a few seconds looking ahead towards you know the this weekend's event in Zagreb and then maybe yeah the the judo to come so yeah reflecting on the olympics and the paralympics i know it feels like so long ago already uh the best place for me to start is with a huge congratulations to the British medalists. So obviously Chelsea Giles winning bronze in the Olympics and then Elliot Stewart and Chris Skelly winning silver and gold respectively at the Paralympics. Uh, some incredible performances by them. And yeah, I mean, everyone who was there, who, who was a part of the games, whether they won a medal or not, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I guess beyond that, rather than looking at each category, I'm going to... I'm going to go through, I guess, my uh, top three, my favourite stories as, that came out of the games as I see them. Then I think the three biggest changes that I'd like to see off the back of the games. And finally, uh, my top three, uh, Judoka. So, starting with my favourite stories. And it, again, it was, it was so hard to narrow it down to just three. Um, but my top three... Uh, Probably you know some of them already. Hopefully there's one or two that you're less sure of. Uh, number three, Kosovo. Uh, winning two gold medals at 48, 57 kilos, Krasnik in Gajkova. That's just an incredible achievement. And obviously building on the success of Kelmendi in Rio, they've only ever won three Olympic uh, medals. They've all been gold. They've all been in judo. And this tiny nation, just, just so small, you know, it's got... A, it would be the whole country would be the biggest, the fifth biggest city in the US. You know, it's the size of Liverpool and Birmingham together. And they certainly in the judo medal table finished second. They like the individual medal table finished second behind Japan. So I mean going forward it's exciting to 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 see what their next group of athletes can produce um over the next three years, run up to Paris. I think it's a really exciting time. Um Number two, so there was another Georgian win at 90 kilos. So Bakari's win was their third Olympic title at 90 kilos in the last five cycles since Vidari in 2004 and Kidzi in 2008. As a, as a story for me, it's a bit more special because he went out of his way to thank uh, David Kivkishvili. So, uh, you know, I'm assuming it was a genuine thank you and there's two layers to that. So Kivkishvili was the... Georgian judo president who uh, two or three years ago 2018 forced to resign after all the players went on strike they were protesting I think against the way he was running the sport um, after they took no medals in the 2018 Europeans so I think he's he's still obviously clearly working in in the sport in in Georgia I think he's the vice president or something I read and I'm going to say that was on judo inside Uh, the other layer he was a phenomenal player himself. So he went to two Olympics. He took a seventh in Athens. Uh, he went to Beijing as well. Um, but the little aside to that was he roomed with uh, Zvidari in 2004. 
who went on to win the Olympic title, and Syracidzi in 2008, who went on to Olympic title, win the, that Olympic title. And I think at the you know the time he was considered the lucky charm, and I just think it's nice that Bakari has kind of completed that circle with that mention of him. My number one story from the, the Tokyo Games is a much shorter story. Uh, probably better known to everyone, um, and it's the Abe siblings, uh, Hifumi and Uta. So they guys came into the games as the faces of the Olympics, certainly for judo, but uh, the impression I got was that they were the faces for the wider sport. Um, all the pressure was on them, and they pulled it off. So, uh, you know, first Uta wins the title, uh, moments later a brother wins the title, I think they're the first siblings like in Olympic sport, uh, in an individual sport to win golds on the same day. You know, they've they've made their own piece of history. I think my my bottom three, my my three things I'd like to see change. Now, number three was unavoidable I guess but I was gutted there was no crowd um the Olympics is special yeah and I think it's rare to get the kind of support that you see at the Olympics and the kind of crowds that you see at Olympics there are other big events but the Olympics is special on top of that it was taking place in the home of judo you know since it's it's gone back to the home of judo for the first time since 64 for, for an Olympic event um and it would have been incredible to see crowds there supporting the athletes you know it had to be done it had to be done due to COVID due to the risk um, but watching from home without the crowd noise I do feel it robbed um, something from the event and I I know it's not within the IGF's uh, power to change it but it is something I am looking forward to seeing change as we go forwards so number two on the things I'd like to see change would be the scoring. So for me, I think there needs to be a small score brought back into judo. Um, this comes from like a few things. So the Olympics always seems to be like a lower scoring event. You know, uh, athletes want to take less risk because of how important events it is. It's the culmination of the cycle. So with the, for me, with the scoring system the way it is, um, it kind of encourages people to take fewer risks because the consequences of making a, a small mistake, so even one knockdown, like, are so high, yeah? A terrible knockdown is a, is a wazari, yeah? I think golden score, like, exacerbates that again. Like, the there's a this theory that um, golden score creates a situation where the players go all out in the search for something to end the match. But I think the reality is that people become more risk-averse um, I think the consequences are in, of an error again like they escalate they become so high and you you see it in other sports like other sports have tried and scrapped like golden score systems for that same reason um, the obvious one being football uh, so football used to have like a golden score period after extra during extra time um, but because the teams generally you know ended up setting out really defensively um, what you saw happen was there were fewer extra time goals yeah, as the team sought to get through to penalties. So for me, the change I'd like to see happen would be bringing back Yuko or Coca um, 
you know, and I think that changes the game. Like you can get scored on and the consequence is not so high. You can still come back into the match. Yeah. Um, I'd also throw in a time limit on golden score with flags potentially at the end of it. Bring back flags. Definitely bring back flags. Um, finally, the, the, the biggest thing I think I'd like to see change off the back of the Olympics and Paralympics is I would like to see Japan put more resources, more support maybe into Paralympic judo. So they obviously dominate the Olympic sport. You know, at the at Tokyo they took twelve medals, nine gold, and if you contrast that with the the Paralympics where they took, um, I think they only had two medal fights and they took two bronzes. It's a it's a stark difference. So I hope that having had the games in Tokyo, having had a Paralympics in Tokyo, I hope that brings eyes to the sport and to the Paralympic side of the sport. You know, I hope it inspired people to to drive that side forward. Um, and, you know, I'd like to see at Paris 2024, I'd like to see Japan at the top of the medal table, you know, n- you know, matching the likes of Azerbaijan, Iran, Algeria, Uzbekistan, those nations who in Tokyo were so dominant in the Paralympics. Um, and I'd like to see Japan up there with them in the same way that they're going to be in the Olympics. So, yeah, I guess my final look back at the games, yeah, I wanted to talk about my top three outstanding judoka. Um, you know, it's obviously so hard to narrow it down to just three. And I think I'm going to make a special mention to three athletes who didn't make it, but who moved on to four individual like Olympic or Paralympic medalists. Um, they're all heavyweights. So from the Olympics, you've got uh, Francis Teddy Rinner and Cuba's Idalis Ortiz. Um, and then Paralympics, uh, Ilham Zakiev of Azerbaijan also won his fourth Paralympic medal. Okay, they guys didn't make the cut of my top three, which, you know, I think looking back on the whole event shows how many phenomenal performances there were. So for me, uh, in at number three, I'm sure many, many people will disagree with this. But in at number three was Ono. You know, winning his second Olympic title at 73 kilos, there was some amazing judo from him on the way to the title. He won the only final between two Olympic champions, uh, beating Shavdato Ashvili by Ipon in golden score. He's an incredible champion. Um, I think had things gone differently... Uh, on the team's day, he might have been higher up this list. But as it is, he sits in at number three for being, you know, potentially the most dominant athlete of you know, the last four, five, six, seven years. So uh, number two, again, from Tokyo for me was Kapalik. Uh, he won the heavyweight title. He became only the second, possibly third judoka to win um, Olympic titles in two weight categories and so that's after uh, Lejeune of Poland in 88 and 92 and then we'll, we'll mention the, the the other guy in a second but like winning that second Olympic title winning the heavyweight title um, he also completed that golden set the 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 
the trio of winning continental, world and Olympic titles in two weight categories. And also the reason he's at number two is because I called it way, way back in episode 18 in 2018. I said he was going to be a man to watch. So I'm, I'm secretly proud of myself. But again, another guy who was absolutely phenomenal of all these incredible performances, what he achieved was... Um, for me, second to only one person. And there can only be one at the top. And for me, it was clear by a country mile. Um, she's been there since losing the Olympic final in 2016. Um, she's been at the top of the sport. In winning the Olympic title, she beat her like great rival in the final. The woman who beat her in Rio, she beat Tristan Yak. She became the only reigning world and Olympic champion you know she won the the world title in Budapest uh, earlier this year and then was the only winner from that event to go on and win the Olympic title uh, then she went on and she fought as part of the French team she looked dominant at the higher weight category in the teams and she became the only double Olympic champion in Tokyo and again on top of that like Wikipedia tells me she's only the second judoka to win two Olympic titles in one games. Um, and that's uh, Ruska back in 1972, who won the heavyweights and the open weight. Um, so for me, Clarice Abignenu, uh by far and away the most outstanding athlete from the Tokyo Olympics. Now, I'm sure there'll be people who disagree with me. I'm sure there'll be people who have uh, different top threes in all those categories, and I would love to hear about them, tell me who I've missed, tell me what I've forgotten, that'd be great, um, but yeah, that brings us on, like, just like that, we move on to the Paris 2024 cycle, um, you know, as a feeling quite excited about seeing this fresh group of faces who can be competing on the IGF circuit, um, certainly at first, you know, I, I think this weekend we've got Zagreb Grand Prix, um, Probably by the time I put this out, it will have started. And I think I'd expect to see... I've not I've not seen the draw, but I'd expect to see like a lot of new faces. Yeah, testing the water. Um, not too many, maybe one or two, but from the last cycle who, who, who will have missed out on Tokyo. Maybe looking to score like early ranking points, set themselves up for... Well, uh, it's going to be next year. That's, oh, that's come around quick. Next year's start of Olympic qualifying put themselves in a really good position for that. Um, yeah, so I hope the judo this weekend's really, really exciting. Uh, over, you know, it's been four years since the podcast has been going, so um, I know it's been sporadic, but hopefully, if you've been listening, you've enjoyed at least some of it. I know it's been a bit hit and miss. It's been a bit of a journey. Um, yeah, some have been better than others, but. I have loved it, it has been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to talk with people, talk judo with people, share some of my bullshit, uh, my, the things I believe about the sport, and yeah, it's been good, it's been good to see as well, there's some like, great other podcasts out there now, um, I hope they continue, but I do like that I see that uh, Dave Roman, he's the other old dog of judo podcasting. That's what I class myself as, an old dog of judo podcasting. Uh, great to see that his Judo Chop Suey podcast is still going. I think he's put an episode out not too long ago. 
um, and I'd love to see that continue. Um, as for the original judo pods, who knows? Maybe, just maybe, we will keep going. 